0: our bibles now to the book of deuteronomy in the old testament deuteronomy chapter 33 and verses 26 to 29 deuteronomy chapter 33 so uh, if you start at the beginning of the bible you'll find there's the first five books which are called the law and they are genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy And these last words of Moses at the end of the book of Deuteronomy are some of the last words he spoke officially to the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 33 beginning at verse 26. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun, who rides on the heavens to help you, and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you, saying, destroy him. So Israel will live in safety alone. Jacob's spring is secure in a land of grain and new wine, where the heavens dropped you. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper, and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you, and you will trample down their high places. Please keep your Bibles open there. He was called the luckiest man in Spain. In 2016, uh, a man from the country of Senegal, who's known only as, uh, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Nagagni, was blessed with three remarkable things that happened to him. First of all, he himself actually had his life saved as he crossed the ocean in the boats, the little boats uh, from Africa. To Spain his little boat got in difficulty and the Spanish gov- government rescued him and those on board the boat literally his life was saved but then on board the boat he met a beautiful young lady and he got married and then he came and he started working as a, a peasant labourer earning just five pounds a week think of that until he won the lottery and he won with uh, a group something like £290,000 what a win well he's called the the luckiest man uh, in Spain but actually the most blessed people are the people of the Lord and that's what this passage is all about and I tell that story because like, the nation, like like that man, the nation of Israel had three great blessings. They'd been saved like that man had been saved. They were saved on the night of the Passover in Egypt when God literally saved the people of Israel from the clutches of Egypt. They had been brought into a covenant, which in some parts of the Bible is like a wedding covenant. The covenant with God at Mount Sinai. And then they had come, as a result of that, into the bounty of God's blessings. Blessings greater than money can ever be. And Deuteronomy chapter 33, Moses' last words to the children of Israel, are about the blessings of of God's people this whole chapter if you were to read it through from the beginning you would notice is where Moses ends his ministry to the as as a leader of the people of Israel in blessing each of the tribes now this is something Jacob had done for the family of Israel uh, back in Genesis chapter 49 he blessed each of his sons and gave a prophetic blessing on each of them and Moses did the same here in Deuteronomy 33 and it's a fascinating study that i commend to you but then he rounds up in verses 26 to 29 by blessing the whole nation of israel collectively and he talks about how wonderful their god is and how blessed are they to be his people verse 29 blessed are you o israel who is like you a people saved by the lord It's a beautiful bouquet of blessings, if you like, for this nation at the end of Moses' life. And the wonderful thing about this is, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, Israel's Messiah, we also come into these blessings in a spiritual way. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Matthew Henry, that great Bible commentator, said what is said here of Israel is certainly to be applied to the church of the firstborn that are written in heaven. And Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, said Moses was speaking primarily of them being Israel, but secondarily of all the chosen ones of God in every age. So I want us to look at this this morning for our encouragement uh, to realize what a blessed people we are if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it is sentimental. There are sentimental verses here that touch our hearts and our feelings and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with a bit of sentiment, but it's also fundamental. It teaches us things about God that are foundation for our understanding of him and our spiritual growth. But I'm praying also it will be instrumental to bring others here to faith in the Lord Jesus if you've not yet trusted in him. These are amazing words. C.H. McIntosh, the great brethren commentator, said nothing can exceed the preciousness of grace that breathes in the closing lines of this book, the book of Deuteronomy. So I'd like us to see these things, and I'd like to see them under four headings. I'd like us to see that we have, as Christians, a coming saviour, a constant support, a calm settlement, and I'll explain what that means, and a complete salvation these are four blessings outlined for us here in these verses let's look at the first one a coming savior in verse 26 Moses says there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides on the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty when I was a, a child, I grew up in a church, a, a big Baptist church that had a, a Welsh preacher who was a, had a, a great voice and, and it was a real man of God. But he confessed that one of his pet hates had always been the sound of sirens. And he said, you know, whenever you hear a siren go up the road, and he lived not far from where the uh, fire brigade and the ambulance station was in Reading, uh, you just hear this awful noise. It just goes right through your head, you know, right through your ears, and it's a terrible, terrible noise. They ought to make those things more quieter. <laughs> well, he said that until one day when he himself was in a serious car accident. And he said, as I was lying there by the side of the motorway, waiting for the ambulance to come, and I could hear that awful sound. He says, suddenly, it was the most beautiful sound I had ever heard. Help was coming. Help was coming. And something like that is what Moses is saying to the children of Israel. He said, we have a Savior who is coming to help us. And I notice the description. He talks about our Savior God. He said, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun. Now, Jeshurun is a name for Israel in the Bible and all God's children. And it's a beautiful name. It's a name that means the righteous ones, the righteous ones. Now, this is uh, not Israel's own righteous, that they were a bunch of goody two-shoes who never did anything wrong. Because actually, if you just turn back to chapter 32... And verse 15, you'll see Moses had scorned them uh, for their uh, sins earlier on. And he said in in Deuteronomy 32 verse 15, Jeshurun, Israel, grew fat and kicked with the food. He became heavy and sleek. He abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock, his saviour. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. So you can see there, if we come back to chapter thirty-three, twenty-six, you see there it's not because they were righteous in themselves. It was because when they trusted in the Lord, his righteousness was put on their account. And this is one of the truths that we have as Christians, that when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he not only takes away our sin, but he then gives us his righteousness, his goodness on our account. So when God opens the ledger on the day of judgment, he can't see any sin because Jesus has paid for it. And what he sees instead is all the righteousness that the Lord Jesus earned in his perfect life and it's all put to our account. So God says, I don't have to send you to hell because your sins are paid for. And you can come to heaven because you're as righteous as my son. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what he calls them. The God, he's called here the God of Jeshurun, the one who makes Israel righteous. And it's a beautiful thing, that his description there. And it says rightly, there's no one like the God of Jeshurun. And uh, I like to emphasize emphasize that because when I was preparing this, lots of the commentaries said, oh, this description here is very like the other gods in the pagan world at that time. They obviously weren't paying attention to the text. <laughs> the text says, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun. There's no one like the Lord our God. And that's Moses' point. He's the one. You should put your trust in because he's the one who makes us righteous. But also, I noticed not only his description is design because it says, who rides on the heavens to help you. To help you you know this term Jeshurun the God of Jeshurun is used one other time in the Bible in Isaiah 44 and in verse 2 and this is one of my comfort verses if I'm having a bad day I read this in bed before I go to sleep Isaiah 44 verse 2 this is what the Lord says he who made you who formed you in the womb and who will help you do not be afraid O Jacob my servant Jeshurun, whom i have chosen now do you see in that verse he says exactly the same things he will help you and that's his design his plan in coming to us and what it, moses is saying is you know god is going to come and help you and our god in the bible is always a coming god He's always coming to us. He was going to come to them in the Bible days in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was going to come in person and pay for their sins. Then after Jesus ascended into heaven, he was going to come in the person of the Holy Spirit who is still here today and lives in the heart of every true Christian. And one day in the future, he's going to come again. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again at his second coming. And that's the third thing I notice here is his design and his descent. It says, he rides on the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, says the New Testament in Matthew 24, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, 1 Thessalonians 4. When Christ comes again, he's coming with the clouds of heaven to be our rescuer and our helper from this sinful, wicked world. So what a wonderful thing it is to have a savior who is coming to help you and uh, to have that vision and that understanding of your God. You know, there's a beautiful hymn we sometimes sing at Easter. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. And then it gives testimony. It says this. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he is always near. He comes to us. He comes to us and when we call on his name, he is a coming saviour who speeds to us. You know, if there's uh, one thing that will make every parent in this room sit up and move in action in a split second, it's the sound of their child in distress. I tell you what, if you want to see a formidable sight, see a mother getting through a crowd to her child. I tell you what, nothing matters except getting to that child. It's what the Lord is like with us. When we call on him and we're in distress and need, he comes to us. So what a wonderful thing it is to have a coming saviour as our God. Do you know him as your saviour and lord? If you don't, this can be the type of God you're in fellowship and relationship with through the Lord Jesus Christ. One who makes you righteous and one who rides the heavens and will literally one day do that to come and help you even as he comes in answer to prayer to help you today. Second thing we have here in this verse, and this is another reason for our blessings and to to realize how blessed we are, is we have not only a coming savior, but we have a constant support. And verse 27 begins with a sentence that says this, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, when we were at school, I expect it was the same for you. One of the things that used to happen in primary school was at playtime, all the boys used to ask each other, who do you support? Who do you support? And especially in our day, uh, it was quite a, a thing. You know, if you supported the wrong team, then you were likely to get thumped. Uh, so what What happened was uh, we asked our our parents, you know, what do we say? You know, because if I I support Arsenal and he supports Liverpool, I'm going to get thumped. And uh, my dad said to me, what you want to say is, say, I support my legs because my legs support me. (laughs) 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 All right, isn't that a wonderful piece of advice? Well, it got me out of a few fights. But... uh, You know, that's what people say and we we feel self-supported really, don't we, as people. But actually a Christian has a greater support than self-support. He has the Lord who is his support. The eternal God is, is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And what Moses is saying to Israel is the Lord is going to support you as you go into the promised land and as you go on walking with him. And I love the perspective of God here. He's called the eternal God, the eternal God. You know, contrary to the uh, the gods of, of Egypt, which were recent man-made inventions, the God of, of Israel is the eternal God. One of his names is the I Am. And it means I've always existed, always will exist. I am, I am, I am. And he is the eternal God. He's always been there. Isn't that a wonderful thing to have the eternal God as your refuge? He's way beyond anybody or anything else. I love the protection of God here because he says the eternal God is your refuge. A refuge is a place you flee to for safety. And, you know, we, we find protection in his support in times of difficulty. But I love the power of God here. It says, underneath are the everlasting arms. You know, that creates a very uh, vivid image, I'm sure, in Moses' mind as he says these words. Because on one occasion in Exodus chapter 17, God had led Israel to defend themselves against an enemy called the Amalekites who started to attack them. And Moses was told, we're going to have to go to war here. And Joshua was going to lead the battle. And Moses had to go up on the hillside. And God said to Moses, just as you rose up your your arm with the rod over the Red Sea. And it opened, so you've got to raise your rod up again. It was like a a symbol of the fact that they were praying to God for the victory. And God said to Moses, as long as you keep your arms up, Israel will win. And whenever you drop your hands... Israel will be defeated. It's a lesson in prayer for the Christian as well, by the way, for the church. And Moses was keeping his arms up there as long as he could. But have you ever held up your arms like that for a long time? I tell you what, after a while, they begin to ache. And so two men came and stood with him, his brother Aaron and another man called Hur. And they supported his arms and held him up a very vivid picture I'm sure for Moses of that support it's a very vivid picture for me because when Samuel was born uh, Heather went into labour and she had quite a long and and difficult (laughs) night of labour as every mother does and uh, she wasn't in a bed she was on one of these medicine ball things that uh, you you sort of move yourself to get comfortable with and she was in agony Um, he was a big baby, he was 10'7". So he wasn't coming out in a hurry. And it was a, a real battle. And I had to hold her under her arms for hours and hours on, arm, on on end. And you know what? My arms were aching at the end of that. But we have a God who supports us, whose arms are everlasting arms. They never grow weary. They never grow tired. And so we will never fall. This is such a word of comfort uh, to know we have that constant support. And underneath us is that security. In fact, if you look at these verses, what you find is we've got all-round blessing. The Lord is riding on the heavens, that's above us. He is underneath us with the everlasting arms. In the next part of the verse, you're going to see he goes before us. And later on, it says that his blessings are all around us. So we have total blessing from this God. And he is a constant support and will never let us fall. Have you fallen into sin, Christian? I want to tell you, though you fall into sin, you won't fall into hell. Because underneath are the everlasting arms and God's blood and atonement by the Lord Jesus Christ are beneath you to protect you. When you come to die, when you come to die, you may go down into the grave, but you won't go any lower than that. Because the Lord Jesus is going to uphold you. As he has been your support in life, he will be your support in eternity. This is a wonderful thing. Do you know this meant so much to the Israelites that they used to give it to each other on pottery as gifts you know we like to give each pe- people gifts uh, perhaps a, a vase or something for Mother's Day or something and it might have a picture of a flower I remember buying my mum once Port Miriam I thought I'd done so well and then I showed it to Heather's mum I said look where I bought my mum for Mother's Day she said you do realize it's a Venus flytrap, And and uh, had all these dead wasps and hanging out of dead flies so I took it back But in those days, they used to have things with Bible verses on. And in the 1930s, the archaeologists started finding lots of pottery with broken bits with verses written on it, half-written. And it was only over between 1920 and 1935 where they found uh, the Temple Mount, Lashish, and... um, somewhere else i've forgotten uh giza they found bits of pottery and then they began to get the whole picture and people were writing this on verses the lord is on the everlasting arms underneath you to give you strength and to encourage them that's what we need to see today we have that sort of support Robert Louis Dabney was a a great theologian and a part of General Stonewall Jackson's army in the uh, American Civil War, Uh, but he was he was a theologian first and foremost. And on one occasion, uh, General uh, Jackson was having uh, assurances, uh, doubts of assurance, uh, spiritually. And Dabney went to him and he said, now listen, if you've got to march your men across a bridge to get to the other side that your, 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 uh, your engineers have just built, how are you going to know it's safe? And Jackson said, well, I'd go and inspect it. And then when I was sure it's safe, I'd send my men across. And Dabney said, do that with your God. Go and inspect him. Go and have a good look and see those everlasting arms. And you need never doubt again. We have constant support under us from him. So what a blessing that is uh, for us as the people of God. And again, those everlasting arms are open for you to come into today if you will trust in Jesus Christ. Third thing we have here is a calm settlement. And what I mean by that is that God was going to bring them into a place and a land of peace. He was going to settle them in a place, not of war, but of calm. And if you look in verse 27, the second part, it says, he will drive out your enemy before you saying, destroy him. So Israel will live in safety alone. Jacob's spring is secure in a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop dew. Years ago, there was a book written, perhaps you've uh, read the book, I think there was a film called A Man Without a Country, uh, about a man called Philip Nolan, who cursed his government, cursed his country, and as as a punishment, he was sentenced to live on a ship for the rest of his life. He was not allowed back on his homeland, he didn't have citizenship in any other land, and he literally spent his life in the sea until he died and was buried in the sea great book you'll really enjoy it (laughs) but you know what it's a sad thing isn't it to to be a person without a country and yet that's how Israel had been feeling as they marched through the wilderness for 40 years they'd come out of Egypt which wasn't their home but they were still a wandering people but God was going to bring them into Canaan the promised land And he was going to bring them to a land where they would have a secure settlement. He goes before us. He says he will drive out your enemy before you saying destroy him. And uh, the Lord was going to lead the campaign with Joshua and give victory. Look at the battle of Jericho and you'll see that. He goes to bring us in because he says so Israel will live in safety alone. They will live in it. So that means they get into the land. Jacob's spring is secure The people of God are going to be secure there. And he goes to bless us because it's a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop the dew, uh, as he says there. And those are the the necessary life supports in the Middle East. Having food, the grain, the wine, the drink from the vine, but also the the irrigation from the dew. Uh, And really you have the fountain with with the water from the ground and the dew from above. So it was a blessed land for them to live in. And God was going to provide a place where they would settle as a people in safety. You know, this is, this is true for us as his people in this life. That if, we are, if we're needing to move house, we can pray that God will guide us and help us to find the right place to live. Uh, he has a right place for us to live in his plan uh acts 17 26 tells us he determines the exact places where his people will live and there's a verse in isaiah isaiah 32 and verse 18 i like to pray this for people who are christians who are moving it says my people will live in peaceful dwelling places in secure homes in undisturbed places of rest you know that's what i want for me so that's what i pray for other people i want them to have a calm settlement and maybe that's a verse to encourage somebody here today for God's plans for them. He understands the stress of moving house and finding somewhere to live, and God can guide. But even more so, God has a land for us beyond this grave, beyond this world, a heavenly land which will be a calm settlement for us, heaven itself where we will be brought in by the work of the lord jesus he goes before us he went before us to defeat the enemy of death saying destroy him and he conquered death on the cross he brings us into the heavenly land where we will dwell in safety and security and in blessing with him what a wonderful thing it is to be going to heaven i wonder if you know in your heart you're going to heaven One man said, I plan to live forever and so far so good. (laughs) Well, I've got news for you. It may be going well now, but it won't go well forever because we all die. And that's why we need to know salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We will either go to heaven or to hell. And so we need to turn to Christ. And the good news is he can bring us into heaven. Let me just give an illustration to see, show how that works. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on Philippi- Philippians tells this story. He says a friend in Washington DC arranged for my oldest son and me to tour the White House. She told us to be at a certain place at a certain gate at 8 o'clock in the morning and to be prepared to show evidence of who we were. David and I walked up to the gate and the the guard politely asked us our names. We told him, showing our credentials, and he said, Yes, sir, Mr. Warren Wisby and David, you may enter. We got into the White House because our names were written down on the proper list. And our names got on that list through the intercession of another. So it is with our entrance to heaven. Because we have trusted Christ, our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life, and we will enter glory on his merits and intercession alone. I thought I explained it brilliantly. So if you haven't yet trusted in Christ, put your trust in him, that your name may be there. You may have that lovely place to go to when you die, that calm, settling place of heaven. And then finally... A complete salvation is how Moses ends it. This is the last blessing he talks about, but the greatest. Verse 29, blessed or happy even are you, O Israel. I think that's how the King James translates it. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord salvation is god's greatest blessing for any of us and here we see israel is a people who are saved by the lord you can't save yourself only the lord can save you and he can save from the penalty of sin the things we've done wrong we deserve as i've said to be punished for our sins god's judgment is real and uh, because we've done things wrong We deserve to be punished for those things. But Jesus was punished in our place as we remembered in the communion. His body and his blood on the cross taking the punishment for us. What an amazing saviour. How much love he showed to us. Donald Gray Barnhouse said, love that goes outward is affection but love that stoops is grace. And our great God stooped to come and pay the price for our sin so we could be forgiven. He gives us salvation from the power of sin too. Because you'll notice Moses is talking here in the last part of the verse about a battle. He said, he is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will trample down their high places. Israel was going to enter the promised land and in the book of Joshua we see that there was combat involved in that. And in the Christian life, after we've been saved from the penalty of sin, we then have to deal with the the power of sin in our lives. We don't want to keep sinning. And so, because we've been saved by grace, we fight that battle. And the Lord is the one who gives us the power. He's our shield and our helper and our glorious sword. The one who helps us in the battle against our sins. And triumphantly, one day, He will bring us to trample down our enemies under our feet. You know the Bible literally says that in Romans 16 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What an amazing thing that is. You know Joshua when he conquered the Canaanite kings he lined them up and he got the uh, the, the men to come and put their feet on the necks of the kings who had been their enemies. It was a symbolic thing saying we've had victory over you. One day the presence of sin, the power of sin, the penalty sin will all be done away with because of our God helping us to get victory, even as he saved us by paying for our sins on the cross. The hymn writer said, be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. And He can do that. So I wonder if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ today. If so, realize These blessings that are yours. What a blessed people you are. You have a coming saviour. You have a constant support. You have a calm settlement before you in heaven. And you have a complete salvation. Realise and give praise for those things. And utilise. Put those things into prayer. And thank God for them. And pray for their blessings to go on growing in the reality in your life. And if you've not yet come to Christ, put your faith in Him. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Amen. Let's close our service.